I'd like to know, like, what makes Snape a potion master? You know, like, McGonagall isn't a transfiguration mistress, like, you know? Like, Do you mean specifically like, the title? Like, why is he titled that? Yeah, yeah, well, because it's like, like, do they have master's degrees in the wizarding world? Like, the, like, I don't think it's Slughorn's the potion master. Or is he? I don't know. I didn't think about this. I, <laughs> I'm honestly looking it up right now. <laughs> he, okay, so it does say he returned to Hogwarts as potions master. So that makes me think that the position is called the potion titled- master. Here I am, you know, thinking that, that the wizards have, like, advanced degrees, but in actuality. Yeah, I don't know why the potions is the only class. Maybe it's harder than the rest. Maybe it, I don't know. Maybe it requires more, <laughs> more diligence. Into the cauldron, handsome. Most powerful love potion in the world. Bottle, fame, brew, glory. I've never seen a more complicated potion. Disastrous should you get it wrong. Are we going to drink that? Welcome back to Most Potent Podcast, where we bottle fame, brew glory, and mesh it all together into a weekly discussion on all things Harry Potter and fandom. I'm one of your hosts, Rebecca. And I am Francis. And today is going to be a continuation of last week's podcast, um, where we discuss the Hogwarts staff and professors, give them ratings on the OWL scale, and last week, we left off with Umbridge, and we are going to continue this discussion with Professor Snape. So as we know, for the first five years of Harry's schooling, and, you know, the ten years before that, uh, he was the potions master. Mm-hmm. Um, and he clearly hates children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just, well, he doesn't hate Slytherin children. <laughs> Well, I feel like he kind of hates them too, but he's just like, he, he's, he's obligated. Yeah, to, he doesn't seem to hate them. He just favors them more than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I'm interested to know why he was appointed head of Slytherin House. Like, were there just no other options? Like, Maybe he was the know? only Slytherin professor at, yeah, when they needed reason, one. You know, because he was hired at like 21 years old because Dumbledore was just like, all right, you're going to be my spy and you're going to work for me and that's that. Yeah, it so. really is amazing that he it was so young when he started working there. And I mean, okay, he is absolutely brilliant. Like we know this. We know how smart yeah. he is. We know he being the Half-Blood Prince, we know that he has gone through all the potions textbooks and he's just like now nah, this is not the correct way to do it like yeah again and he's just like out here casually when he was 16 years old like inventing alternates to these potions that work better yeah so we know he's absolutely brilliant and so it's really no shock that he was hired at 21 but then you think about like he's not that much older than these students <laughs> like i know yeah oh, well because you know if he's 21 then some of the people that the students that were like you know first and second years mm-hmm. were there when he was like a seventh year yeah you know so they they know him so you know and i think that sometimes it, it's so easy to forget because alan rickman is obviously you know he's portraying snape when he's like you know, in his 50s or 60s. Right. And, you know, so Snape just has the image of Snape is just older. Mm-hmm. But you just have to remember, like, you know, and same thing with Lupin, you know, because they were in the same year. Like, right. when Harry's being taught by them, they're like 30, yeah. you know? So they're very young. 
it's kind of funny that he, you know, he wanted the defense against the dark arts position so badly because clearly he's amazing at potions. Like, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, and if we're going into, you know, his personal life too, like he and Lily bonded over potions and, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, you know, he spends his entire life regretting Lily's death because, you know, she friend zoned him after he called her a racial slur, Right. you know? (laughs) And so, you know, and it's like, yeah. And, you know, and we will be going much more into depth with um, like a full episode on Snape later, but Mm -hmm. so look out for that. In short, I think that it's, it's fascinating that he wanted the defense against the dark arts position so badly Mm -hmm. because he had this bond over potions you know so you would think that he would want to want to keep potions as like his thing yeah because that was his passion so you would you definitely think i mean i don't really know when he started wanting the defense against dark arts position but if it was if it was after lily died one could argue that maybe potions became too painful for him that's true that's very true well, yeah, so. and then, you know, and then he was forced to do it for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but looking at his teaching style, like, I would give him troll for his ability to teach. However, I think I'm going to raise it to dreadful because he's so good at it. And he's, mm-hmm. he's got such a mastery of, this, of, the, of the subject. Yeah. But <laughs> in the way he conveys it, like, how many times have we read that, like, someone gets hurt or, like, spills a potion on himself, and he's just like, you idiot. <laughs> like, he's yes. just so horrible when it comes, especially, like, yelling at first years, calling, idiot boy, don't do that. <laughs> like, Yeah, um, he's, like, 100%, like, verbally abusive. I think there's a scene at one point where, and I forget which book it's in, but it's one of the earlier ones, mm-hmm. but where he, um, I think they're doing swelling solutions, and mm-hmm. he confiscates Neville's toad, and it's like, all right, Longbottom, like, we're gonna put this solution on your toad at the end, so we're gonna see if it gets poisoned. You know, it's like he's threatening to essentially, like, kill Neville's pet. (laughs) (laughs) As a teaching style, like, I, I agree with you. I was actually also gonna say dreadful just purely because you know he is so good at it and i do think that if he like applied himself Mm -hmm. like and taught the way you know that he did in the half-blood prince book you know with his recipes and that kind of thing i think that he would be good Mm -hmm. also i do have to give him a slight benefit of the doubt because we only ever see him in class through harry's perspective right and you know and i'm wondering like okay like how would he have been in like the ravenclaw hufflepuff class you know where we don't have draco malfoy and harry like at each other's throats you know right like because you know conveniently the slytherins are always paired with the gryffindors for potions you know it's like if he because he clearly has all this animosity for harry Mm -hmm. but i'm wondering if that's more like if those classes were just really really bad and the rest of them are just you know like yes he's a he's a shitty teacher but like you can get by you know yeah so because you really don't see the other the other gryffindors like complaining about him quite as much like they do complain they're probably but. relieved because his he's he's targeting all of his anger on Harry, so they're probably like, oh, good, they're not, he's not gonna bother me that much. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Like Dean and Seamus are over there, like, oh, phew, okay, Neville and Harry are in this class. We're fine. Yeah, <laughs> we can just slip on by, not have to worry about a damn thing. <laughs> One of the coolest 
aspects about Snape teaching. And this was something that I did see in a TikTok. And again, I don't remember the handle. I'm going to try to find it and we'll make sure to mention it in our um, description. But in most of Snape's teachings, he doesn't really go by the book. He usually puts his his recipes for the potions on the chalkboard and the students go true, by the chalkboard. So they're not necessarily learning the potions through the book. So it's, it's just cool for me to see when Slughorn takes over, then they do kind of switch over and like start to be more book focused. Like they're not reading it from the blackboard. And that's when sort of like Hermione struggles a little bit more because they're not doing the alternated versions that Snape is, has realized. Yeah. So it, it just to me shows like he, he's not good at teaching it, but he knows he is the master of the content. Yeah, 100%. I agree. But dreadful for teaching. For personal? I'm going to say dreadful for personal too. Because I do yeah. think that he, he has enough redeeming qualities to not get the troll. Absolutely. But he's also, you know, again, like verbally abusive. He mm-hmm. also, you know, he spends, you know, after Lily dies, when he spends the next 15 years thinking about, you know, his, this lost love that he never had. Right. You know, and it's like, I don't know, you know, I, it's just, I think that personally, he's just, he's a very sad man. <laughs> Yeah, and there's so much to think about, and there's so much more in depth that I would like to talk about, at least for his personal. It's so hard to look at what he's done and look at his actions and, you know, thinking about, like, how he grew up and everything. He clearly didn't have a good childhood. He clearly never learned how to have healthy relationships. Clearly, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, if someone had taught him these emotional coping skills he might have turned out a lot better than he was and that is not to say that like anyone that's had like a traumatic childhood or anything like it's not saying that they are inherently bad or anything like that or like they're never going to grow out of it like it's just he I don't think he was given the tools to learn how to become better and become a healthier person and I think I mean he's just you know trauma after trauma like Mm -hmm. he you know, because he pretty much gets four, I, maybe, I wouldn't say fours, because he voluntarily joins the Death Eaters. Yeah. But I will think that, you know, it's very culty. That's where his, you know, all of the people that, you know, his so-called friends mm-hmm. went. And yeah. he clearly at that point, he had severed from Lily. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they weren't friends anymore. So like, where else could he go, you know? So, right. so he, he was kind of coerced in a way to join the Death Eaters and clearly that was a very traumatic experience and then he's forced into this teaching profession that he clearly doesn't like (laughs) and then you know and he spends like 10 plus years doing that then you know Harry comes to town and starts fucking everything up (laughs) yeah it definitely does feel like he there are times where he can't really win yeah but by the same token what is he doing to try to overcome all of that? You know what I mean? That is very true. Yeah. Like, he's not really putting the work into actually changing anything. He's just abusing these children. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. that's, I think, why I think I'm going to have to agree with you with the dread. Like, he has redeeming qualities. He absolutely has things that makes me feel empathetic toward him of, you know, like, this situation mm-hmm. sucks. But the fact that he's never really done anything to try to change that, that 
that's what the, that's what makes it dreadful for me. No, definitely. And I think that while he sacrifices himself in the end, he mm-hmm. has clearly done all of this spying work for the order and he's been on the side of light for <laughs> the vast majority of his life. I still think that, you know, he could have been a much nicer person. So, yeah. you know, and again, and we will get more, more into this mm-hmm. in our Snape dedicated yeah. uh, podcast. But I think that the, the most interesting question to answer here is, should he have gotten hired in the first place? Should he have been hired? Oof. I, I say no. Eh, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. This is a really tricky one. I go back and forth because I think, I think his skills are honestly invaluable to the students, but I don't think he teaches it effectively. So they're really not getting that. So, I mean, especially the fact that we never knew that he was the half-blood prince. Like, do you know how amazing it would have been for the students to have a teacher that's like, hey, so in your book, it's going to tell you to do this, but I've actually discovered that if you do this, it's, it's a lot better. So let me explain why. Like, do you know how great that would have been for students learning? And he didn't do any of that. <laughs> so yeah, he, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I don't think he should have been hired because it's one thing to be incredibly talented in your craft. It's another thing to not be able to teach it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I think that I understand Dumbledore's point in having him at the school. Like, I do think that there was like a, a bit of an element of like, keep your enemies close type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that he could have done something else. I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm of two minds about it. Yeah. Um, I think that, so we've been talking about potions but also he was, again, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in mm-hmm. the sixth year. Does that change anything for us? I think in terms of teaching, like his rating for teaching and his rating for personal, I don't think anything changes for me. The Agreed. only place that I, I think does sort of change is should he have been given that position. I saw the most amazing uh, sort of analysis on TikTok from a user explaining sort of the strategy behind Snape being hired. And this is something that I had never considered and it absolutely floored me when I heard it. So it's known at this point, Dumbledore knows at this point that Tom Riddle jinxed Defense Against the Dark Arts and which is like the pettiest of all petty moves because it's hilarious. It's like, well, if I can't have it, no one can have it. Like, (laughs) stop being a bitch. (laughs) But like, Dumbledore knows this. So it really all came down to strategy for the the professors that Dumbledore chose throughout this time. You know, when Harry, you know, Dumbledore's attention is on Harry because he knows the importance of Harry Potter. He knows, you know, who this kid is going to grow up to be, at least according to his master manipulation, this is what he's planning for Harry. So in Harry's schooling, given the fact that their first, I would say four years, they're just kind of starting out, it's okay that their education is pretty spotty and inconsistent because they're young and they're doing the best they can with what they're, what they're given. It's not until after Umbridge when things start getting serious and things mm. start like shit goes down, that's when Snape is hired as Defense Against the Dark Arts. And I think Dumbledore did that on purpose because he knew that Snape would be able to, you know, give sort of 
a, a perspective and like a strong curriculum that other teachers may not have been able to do. I mean, Snape did teach well in Defense Against the Dark Arts. Like again, he had a lot of knowledge to give and he, he did it. Maybe not always in the friendliest of ways, but he did it. And I yeah. think that was sort of very strategic for Dumbledore to be like, okay, we know that Harry is becoming of an age where he's going to need to know this shit now. We need to put someone who knows what he's doing in this position, especially mm-hmm. knowing that Snape will only last for one year. He wanted to put him in there when it would count. And that TikTok, um, the username will be linked in our description as always. Yes. Um, that's that's really fascinating because I hadn't thought about that thought about it like that either. Because also, you know, at that point, Dumbledore knows that he's dying. He already mm-hmm. has the curse situation from the ring. Yep. Um, and he knows that he's not going to be around for long. And that kind of just augments that theory of he knows that he won't be around. So Harry has to get kind of all this this education from yeah. all sides. That's kind of so. like his last power move of like he knows he's on his way out. He knows Snape's gonna be on his way out after all this. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like hail mary. Like, let's do this. <laughs> yep, yeah. So, and he also, I'm sure that Dumbledore had some sort of inkling that Harry might not come back for his seventh year. So, because oh, he kind of yeah. knew that things were gonna come to a head. Right. So, yeah, it's all in the manipulation yeah. of Dumbledore. <laughs> yep, the grand plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, for right now. Speaking of potions, professors, you know, as Snape moves into the Defense Against the Dark Arts position, we have Slughorn. Mm-hmm. He is just such an interesting character to me. You know, I think that Harry is, Harry goes and sees Slughorn initially as the new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. And then he realizes that he's potions and he's like, oh shit, wait, what? <laughs> and clearly Slughorn is still problematic in his ways because he has favorites and that kind of thing. But <laughs> I think that Harry, Harry experiences the opposite of what he had in Professor Snape's class because suddenly Harry's the favorite. Right. So when Harry had been completely hated before. Yeah. So we're kind of experiencing a potions class in the eyes of a student that like it, it doesn't have that extra weight of oh the professor hates me. It's mm-hmm. it's fine now. I can actually thrive, which he does. Which ironically is all thanks to Snape because of everything written in the book. So it's it all mm-hmm. comes full circle. <laughs> it truly does. It truly does. <laughs> I don't know. I, feel, I have mixed feelings about Slughorn. Uh, again, I see he's a good teacher. I see he definitely has his good qualities. He He's a Slytherin that... One of the Slytherins that shows that not all Slytherins are bad. You know, there's not yeah. a lot of characters in this series that kind of go against their house stereotypes, and Slughorn is mm-hmm. one of those. But yeah, I, I, the whole favorites thing, it just kind of weirds me out, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. It just kind of gives me creepy vibes, truthfully. Like, and it's, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's not meant to do that. I'm sure it's not at all meant to be like a, a, a sketchy thing at all. It's just how he functions. He has students that he likes and he wants to invite them to an exclusive club. But it just gives me kind of like icky feelings. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I think that Slughorn's teaching methods are are decent you know i think that it's so it's so funny that he kind of he essentially uses bribery in uh, (laughs) the first in the very first class with the um felix felicius and it's just like all right well whoever can brew this potion the best 
is going to get a vial of liquid luck. So, right. which ironically is then used against him later by <laughs> Harry. <laughs> but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that, like, you know, Snape would have never done something like that. And I think that, oh. you know, so Slughorn's teaching methods, I think, are while he might be you know, clearly playing some favorites, that kind of thing. He, like, I think that he's generally an okay dude. So I'm gonna go ahead and give him exceeds expectations just in terms of how he teaches. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think that's good. I mean, in terms of personal stuff, I I would give him more of, like, an acceptable because I Uh, do think that he's, like, he's a little, he's a little creepy, like you said. Um... So, the fact you know, that he kind of like goes throughout the castle and steals stuff that he can then sell later. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's just, he's got some gray areas. He's like morally yeah. in the middle, but I don't think, would again, he's not bad. I agree with you. Yeah, he's not bad. He's definitely a true neutral in my mind. And again, the should he have been hired? I think so. I think that, yeah. you know, he's a fine teacher. So yeah. I get it. I agree. All right. Moving right along into my favorite subject personally, which is charms. All right. So we have Professor Flitwick. Um, Flitwick, I, surprisingly, I don't have a lot of strong feelings about him. I mean, I, I think he's great. I think he teaches well. I don't have a lot of, like, super strong opinions about Flitwick. I think he is a swell teacher. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, one of my favorite, um, aside from the iconic Hermione, you know, Leviosa, not Leviosa, right. uh, scene. The, I think that some, some of the most iconic scenes happen in Charms, but mm-hmm. one of my favorite Flitwick scenes is when they're learning the um, summoning spells and banishing spells, mm-hmm. and, and they're using it with, with cushions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, and it's like, and Flitwick is just like zooming across the room because people keep on missing the cushions and like banishing other stuff instead. And Flitwick is one of them. So there's a scene in the fourth book where it's like, Professor Flitwick zoomed past us. And I think that's just so funny. So, I love it. <laughs> I just think that Flitwick is just, he he's a good professor. He's mm-hmm there for students he's a true ravenclaw he's the head of ravenclaw house mm-hmm. you know he's he's just a a cool dude i'm gonna go ahead and give him an outstanding for mm-hmm. both personal and teaching so i do think that yeah. it's something that i just kind of had a thought though in our last episode when we discussed lockhart something that we brought up was the dueling club that mm-hmm. lockhart started but it is mentioned that Phileas Flitwick is like a champion dueler at some point mm. in the books. And I'm kind of like, why is he not leading this? So I don't know. You know maybe <laughs> he like, Lockhart was like, fuck you, I'm going to do mean, it. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but, but then it's like, you know, after Lockhart, you know, fucks it up. And then it's like, okay, we're, we've never heard of this again. You know? Yeah, then it just disbands and <laughs> they yeah. never like... <laughs> Professor Flitwick should absolutely have continued that. I don't know. Maybe he didn't feel like he had the bandwidth. Yeah, maybe he was, maybe he was retired. You know, I mean, yeah. the movies added added in this whole thing that he's also the music teacher and he has the frog choir and the whole thing. Right. That was not in the books at all. No, <laughs> Actually, no. the books act the the books actively say that they don't teach music and arts at Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> You Except know, for having a school song that has <laughs> that no is key. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> has no key or tune. Yeah. Like um I, I do think that it's it's 
kind of funny that the movies kind of just like slipped that in there but yeah and they show flitwick too i I can't remember if they do it in the if they mention it in the books or if it's just a movie thing but they show him uh helping out a lot with like decorations when it comes to like christmas time so no, I'm not sure if maybe books. that's mm-hmm. like something that he also takes on because I mean he's the charms guy so it makes sense that he's the one using charms to put stuff up so I don't know maybe he maybe he didn't quite have the bandwidth because he's doing all these extra things <laughs> that's true that's true yeah so I don't and maybe you know he's retired and he just doesn't want to deal with dueling in his old age you know yeah he's, so. he did his dueling time he's done yeah but yeah so Flitwick swell guy outstandings all around definitely should have been hired yeah, I agree. I really have no qualms with Flitwick at all. I think he's good. Yep. So next up is our final head of house to analyze, which is Professor Pomona Sprout. I love Professor Sprout. Um, I, know. I don't have any real negatives in terms of her teaching style. I think she's very mm-hmm. hands-on. She's very, you know, we're, we're going to do this, put your protective gear on, let's yep. deal with some potentially dangerous plants. I know in the books there are moments where Harry and Ron are kind of over that class, but I think it's more that they're just not really into the subject. I don't think it's really anything about Professor Sprout. What I really love about Professor Sprout is that clearly, you know, we know that Neville has a true aptitude for herbology. So Mm -hmm. clearly Professor Sprout is like taking him under her wing, Mm -hmm. even though he's not a Hufflepuff, you know? So clearly throwing it back to the sorting hat song in harry's first year you know the hufflepuff founder says like i'll teach the lot and i think that like professor sprout really embodies hufflepuff because she's like all right you know i wanna if you want to learn i'll teach you it's great yeah yeah she doesn't seem to be the type who's judgmental at all she doesn't seem to discriminate against students she doesn't seem to play favorites she she just seems to be someone that wants to teach about plants yeah i would give her an outstanding um I honestly just, we don't really know that much about her personal life. I think Mm -hmm. that I wish that we had learned a little bit more because, you know, and I wonder the same thing about Flitwick too, but I'm like, so we know clearly that McGonagall and Snape are in the order. We clearly know Mm -hmm. that. And then obviously we know that all the professors, besides the Death Eater professors, fought in the Battle of Hogwarts, you know, on the side of the good. Right. But I'm like, I want to know more about Professor Sprout's like loyalties, you know, like I, I know that she's ultimately on the side of the good, but it's like, I think that it would be really interesting if, you know, she was actively in the order and she was doing doing that so if she were in the order she'd be one of those helping helping hands yeah definitely and then ultimately it is kind of cool that she mentors neville so much because ultimately neville replaces her as the herbology professor yeah which i think is pretty cool in the like official description of the hufflepuff common room which is the only common room that harry and co never actually enter in the books Mm -hmm. so because that you know they sneak into slytherin in second year then they get into Ravenclaw with the mm-hmm. um, in seventh year, but you know we never go into Hufflepuff, and so um, one of the descriptors of Hufflepuff is that Professor Sprout brings in a bunch of plants, and you know like interesting plants, and the Hufflepuffs all really like it because it's like cozy and nice. And I'm kind of like you know we all know that Hufflepuff is the Stoner House. Mm-hmm. It's like what kind of plants is she bringing in? You know. I'm kind of wondering about the wizarding hallucinogenics in this situation. I absolutely believe wholeheartedly that Professor Sprout brings in innocuous plants, just ones to, you know, make the the house look pretty. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee you the students try to smoke 
everything that she brings in. Only to realize that, like, it either causes some kind of negative effect and they have to go see Madame Pomfrey, or that it's, like, you know, your classic young adult smoking oregano thinking that it's actually weed. And and Professor Sprout 100% knows that they do this and still, like, you know, it's just like, all right, you can do it, because she was a Hufflepuff, too, once, and she gets it. (laughs) She probably also specifically brings in plants that she knows like wouldn't kill anybody if they tried to smoke it like (laughs) professor sprout seems like the type of person that would get the biggest kick out of this whole scenario and knowing her entire house she's probably like let's see what i can bring in this time that's gonna like yeah (laughs) let's see who's doing this because i'm gonna be able to tell who's in my class with like I don't know, pink, pink hair, like it t- makes their ears bigger or something. Just, like something spotted ridiculous. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And 100% the Hufflepuffs are, you know, over here using their herbology knowledge to, you know, like grow weed under their beds, that type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think the Professor Sprout is just great all around. Definitely should have hired her. Yeah. Yep, great. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah, I did find it interesting, though, that she was, she's one of the only like key professors that does not have an alliterative name. <gasps> I never thought about that. Yeah, because, you know, and all of the other heads of houses, we got Minerva McGonagall, Phileas Flitwick, Severus Snape, Snape, and then, you know, we got Pomona Sprout. So, oh, you know. That's, that, oh, that's fascinating. Maybe, maybe J.K. Rowling was finally just like, all right, this is a little ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing, is that J.K. Rowling, I mean, this is going to be something I'm sure we'll talk about when we uh, do, like, a, a deeper analysis of J.K. Rowling and, like, the shit that she does anyway yeah and how problematic she is yeah exactly Uh one thing that we know about her when she writes is all of her names for everything whether it's a spell whether it's a potion no matter what it is her names are all very uh deliberate like she chooses names with specific meanings so that's fascinating to me but I can kind of see, like, I just now looked up what Pomona means, and Pomona was a goddess of fruitful abundance in ancient Roman religion and myth. Yeah. So that makes it's sense. from the Latin word f- meaning fruit. So, it, I mean, it makes sense yeah. being a fruitful yeah. professor. Yeah, but she, you know, it's really on the nose with the sprout thing. She's teaching the gardening class, but. Yeah. A lot you know. of Rowling's choices of names are all very on the nose. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on to everyone's favorite or least favorite in terms of Hermione Granger class, <laughs> divination. Professor Chalani. Okay. Everybody sort of has this feeling about divination. In, well, in general, most of the students are like, why are we even learning this? Like, most of the yeah. students don't really like divination. But yeah. as we can tell from, like, Trelawney, like, I mean, there's some merit to knowing it and everything and at least understanding it. But the fact that she's just so, <laughs> she's so willowy, like, I don't know how else to she's describe very, it. stealing the cooking sherry from the house elves, like, she's a mess. <laughs> she really is. I mean, she obviously knows, well, she, she has true. She has a true power. Yeah, like, she has true predictions. She, she can actually do it. But in terms of teaching, like, she kind of, she reminds me of that art teacher that everybody has at some point that's, like, showing the art and showing off their ability to create art and being like, you just feel it. Nobody (laughs) knows how to do, like, you know what I mean? She's not showing them how. She's just, just tell me what you see. (laughs) 
it's like yeah, i don't like, know I'm, man i'm wondering kind of I'm, I'm trying to think like and separate is it trelawney that's the problem or divination as a subject <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might honestly be it might be both it might be one of those things where divination is just really really hard to teach because it's very intuitive because it's like if you, she's a, a born seer you know and if someone mm-hmm. else isn't a seer like sucks to suck you know yeah. <laughs> like, you're not gonna get it maybe she honestly is doing the best she can and she's just kind of using her lessons as as sort of a time to scope out to see who might have the gift because yeah. she very clearly tells Hermione like nah you ain't it fam. Nah, not you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ain't it fam <laughs> she's like a hey. flake but not <laughs> yeah you know, I do, I do love the imagery of her in the final battle, chucking crystal balls at the <laughs> Death Eaters. <laughs> like, her heart's in the right place. Yeah, especially considering the fact that, like, crystal balls are her main medium. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, like, debate of, like, are crystal balls actually effective in doing this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, no, they don't do shit. Like, if you don't have the gift, you're not gonna be able to use a crystal ball. But the, to her, I imagine they're probably pretty precious materials, yeah. and she's out there yeah. chucking them over the edge, winging them at every enemy. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I think that her heart is definitely in the right place. So that's why, mm-hmm. you know, I give her and exceeds expectations in terms of, like, personal. Like, is she a mm-hmm. good person? She takes it. She she needs a little bit of therapy, you know, yeah. and that's not that's not her fault. But I do think that she she exacerbates her problem a little bit with like the drinking and the yeah. wandering around the corridors. A little bit of projecting in her. Yeah, her you know. And then in terms of teaching, I give her. I give her an acceptable, honestly, because, like, she is one of the only teachers that has very clear and defined units. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, we're doing tea leaves, then we're doing crystal balls, True. then we're doing, like, you know, it, it's like, she has very clear units. Her, the homework that she gives is absolutely ridiculous. Right, like, right. You know? Like, the, but, the dream diaries and everything. I don't know, I... I honestly would give her exceeds expectations for teaching just simply because she seems to plan out this. She plans everything out and she, like you said, she's got a very structured class. And as we discussed, it might just be that divination is really hard to teach. No, that's fair. I I get that. And again, in terms of should she have been hired? I say yes. I get, yeah, I say yes. Like I get why Dumbledore didn't, because I think that the book mentions like, you know, he was debating on whether or not to have divination at the school at all, because he knows that it's bullshit. Right. So, um, so I think that he was just kind of like, all right, well, some people probably want to learn this. So let's just, this is the best that it's going to get. Let's just kill two birds with one stone here. So that's fine. Yeah. I would say yes. So, and then with divination, we also have intermediary of Firenze. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he comes in, the centaur, due to Umbridge's sacking of Trelawney. So, right. and I think that Harry mentions that Firenze, because he has this classroom on the ground floor that projects the night sky and they're using a lot of astrology and stargazing and that kind of thing. Firenze mm-hmm. has a completely different approach to divination. Yeah, that is honestly so fascinating to me that, you know, it's the same subject, yet it's it's essentially, at least from what I took, it's a subject being taught essentially by two separate cultures. We have this group of, of beings, of centaurs, that have had their ancient traditions that typically don't share it with human beings. Like, all of Ferenz's herd essentially was like, okay, you're sharing this with the human beings, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. 
and they yeah. kind of like banish him. So he he's kind of risking everything in order to teach it to the students. But so th that to me just parallels, you know, someone from a different culture, like sharing mm -hmm. their ways with someone that would have no idea. So that's yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's also really interesting, the like de, the personal decentralization mm -hmm. of divination, because with the night sky and astronomy and that kind of thing, that's a very vast future. And it's a very, you know, it doesn't center the person as Trelawney's teachings are because, uh, you know, when Trelawney teaches, it's like, okay, look at your tea leaves and this is what's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you look at the stars, it's like, this is a very vast thing that's impacting all of us. It's kind of taking the person out of it. Like Harry has asked him direct questions of like, oh, hey, does this mean this? And friends sort of dodges it as like, that's not what we're here to learn. We're not here to answer these questions. We're here to show you like the patterns of the stars and you know, what this could mean for fate and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, I absolutely love that, you know, that Umbridge fires Trelawney because she doesn't like her. <laughs> and then Dumbledore is just like, all right, fuck you. I'm going to bring in a half horse man. <laughs> <laughs> like the exact being that, Umbridge she hates. Would, yeah, she would just completely, like, she's so prejudiced. And Dumbledore's like, I think he's going to be the new teacher. And Umbridge is just like, hey! <laughs> I know, like, you One know, of my favorite like, moments. <laughs> truly, like, that is, that is a true Dumbledore manipulation moment that I'm like, all right, I'm about it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, petty ass move. It's like, I bet you regret doing that. Yeah. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. all right, cool. So, yeah, I think that for, for oh my gosh, for Firenze, that's a tongue twister. I honestly, I give him an exceeds expectations in terms of teaching just because I do think that he could be a little bit more direct and he could be, I don't know, a little bit more in terms of like other, like students' learning styles. Yeah, he's but, pretty vague. And I think yeah, that kind of leaves some students being like, what the fuck is he even saying? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also because, like, he is teaching, you know, like, the centaur ways, which is great, and I think that that's something that's important, but also, like, Harry ultimately does have to do, like, an, an OWL in this, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like, there is some sort of curriculum that they must be following, so. Yeah, so I, I would say an exceeds expectations for that, because he's still pretty good. Yeah. And then in terms of personal stuff, I give him an outstanding. Not mm -hmm. only is he abandoning his herd and coming in and you know, really helping out. He also saved Harry in his first year during the yeah. Quirrell Unicorn incident. Yeah, so he definitely gets brownie points all around in my mind. Yeah. Um, and should he have been hired? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Dumbledore's definitely. Dumbledore's move was mm -hmm. perfect. Yep. Iconic. <laughs> all right. So speaking of magical creatures, actually, let's talk about Hagrid. Good segue. Yes, Hagrid. Care of magical creatures. I think Hagrid tries so hard with this because this is clearly his passion he loves all the creatures he he just wants to, he, he wants to be friends with all the magical creatures no, no matter how scary or you know, potentially so dangerous yeah so i think that teaching style sort of is slightly detrimental to the students you know having oh, yeah. sort of an output of, or an, a, an outlook of animal is friend because animal is not always friend. So, like, I think... <laughs> I think his, his way of teaching that is 
not the best, but I think he he definitely gives hands-on experience more so than than any other Caramagical teachers. Like anyone else is super boring to to the crew. So yeah. I think he does a great job of like actually showing the creatures and and appreciating them and not being like, hey, this thing is really scary, avoid it. He's like, hey, look at the beauty of this creature. Look at look at what this yeah. does. Like he's very open to showing all of the the yeah. good and the bad. He just <laughs> he needs yeah. to not you know teach young children that you can befriend all all creatures and come out safely. <laughs> yeah. I do think that Hagrid is one of the most unprejudiced, unprejudiced mm-hmm. um, people in the series. He's, he can clearly, like you said, he can see the good in anything. So mm-hmm. sometimes to his detriment. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, I think that in terms of his like ability to impart knowledge i'm very skeptical of that first year that he's teaching he assigned the book that you know you could lose lose a finger to that yeah i i think i would honestly give him an acceptable for his teaching style because i think there are some things again like i said there's some things that he he does well he mm-hmm. like the nifflers um, that was a great nifflers, lesson yeah absolutely um I think he has an intention for good lessons. Like I think his his idea of showing Buckbeak at the beginning was a great intention. He just executed it not great because he yeah you know. And I mean you know also to to give him some credit with for that you know Malfoy's just a little shit so yeah I mean it's not like Hagrid you know did the lesson and forgot to mention hey these are proud creatures don't piss them off. Like, he yeah. absolutely went through all that. Malfoy just chose to disregard it. So, yeah. I, I do think, I think Hagrid has really good intentions. I think he did well on some lessons. I just think he he didn't, he struggled on some of them. He he missed the yeah. mark on some. Yeah, like the Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that, you know, I, I would agree with the acceptable in terms of the, the, the teaching style. Um, but then, you know, in terms of personal, I mean, Hagrid is good to the core. Like one of the most heart-wrenching scenes is when, you know, Hagrid is carrying what he thinks is Harry's dead body in the seventh book. Yeah. Outstanding all around to me. I, I don't think there's a mean bone in his body. There's protective bones, but not mean. (laughs) And then should he have been hired? I think so. Well, I don't know. Maybe this might be where we disagree. Okay. All right. (laughs) um, I'm here. I don't know. Like, I, the thing is, so our next person is Professor Grubbly Plank, who is brought mm-hmm. in as a substitute. Right. And I'm kind of like, Dumbledore, why didn't you hire her instead? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe, you know, have them teach in tandem, like have Hagrid be the assistant. Because also, like, Hagrid was also expelled from Hogwarts. <laughs> you know? Like, he also, something like, that he didn't do. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. But then it's like, you know, okay, so his name is cleared. So maybe he like needs to go back and get his education. You know? Also true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean he, didn't even, he didn't even get to take care of, of magical creatures, you know, like he, cause he was expelled in what his second, third year. It was his you know? third year. So he, yeah. And, and he I mean, yeah, he so he might have gotten, like, you know, a couple months. Yeah, he had a couple months of Care of Magical Creatures, because it's an elective that they start in third year. Like, he barely even took the class. True, and you know? yeah, and the fact that, like, he got expelled for 
you know, setting a monster loose, which he didn't mm-hmm. do, but he still had an illegal giant spider. Yeah. It's still sus. It's still sus. He still had <laughs> like, questionable moments. So, yeah. It, but, I mean, that's the whole thing. We're thinking of character growth. We're thinking, we're hoping this man grew up. Yeah. And, like, I mean, had but a bigger also, sense again, of responsibility. <laughs> he still, he keeps his, his broken wand and his pink umbrella, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that ultimately he could have been hired in the future, but like maybe he should have had like a year or so to like brush up on his education. I don't know. I, I, I feel like he was kind of in there for like low key, like comedic relief. But, and also to introduce the concept of Buckbeak, who ends up, you know, playing an important role in terms of saving Sirius, but I don't know. I mean, this is something where it's like, it's such a gray area on should he have been hired or not, so I don't think we have a definitive answer, but I just like... And also, it's okay to disagree. It's okay for you to say no and for me to say yes. I think that's totally okay. But yeah, I mean, transitioning into Grubbly Plank, because the other two Care of Magical Creatures teachers that we know of are Grubbly Plank and then Kettleburn, who Mm -hmm. retires at the end of Harry's second year to, quote, spend more time with his remaining limbs, (laughs) which is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, and which doesn't speak like highly to the position, but you know, right. which is a point in, in Hagrid's favor because you know Hagrid can Hagrid still has all his limbs so far, even though he's clearly been doing you know dangerous things like yeah, rescuing that's... a baby dragon and such. <laughs> that's very yeah, a true. Three-headed dog, you know, etc. Yeah, but... yeah, and with Grubbly Plank, I mean, pretty much the whole perspective that we get throughout the books about Grubbly Plank teaching is that she's just boring as fuck like that's true like all like harry and ron and everything they're just like oh my god like can you can you teach us something like i don't want to poke this flobber worm and just be like it didn't do anything yeah and also um because she teaches the lesson on the unicorns and Hermione's all excited because Hermione can approach the unicorn because she's a woman, but then, you know, Grubbly Plank's just like, all right, boys, you have to stand back. So the boys are just, like, standing there, like, in the back and, like, you know, watching the girls have the lesson, you know? Yeah. And Harry and Ron are just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Oh, so I don't know. I think that I don't. I don't necessarily think that we know enough about Grubbly Plank to like actually judge her or give her a rating. You know, same no, with Kettleburn. Yeah. yeah, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, we don't know anything about Kettleburn. I, I think for what we know, I would say Grubbly Plank is probably exceeds expectation. It seems like she does the job. She does it well. She gets the information out there. But it, yeah. her only downside seems to be that she can be boring. Yeah, and then you know, just to round it out, um, so other subjects that we don't really see as much because Harry doesn't take them. And then also, you know, a couple random staff members thrown in there. But, you know, we have Professor Sinistra who teaches astronomy. And I think that maybe we get like one or two scenes in an astronomy class, like ever. (laughs) Yeah, we know they have to do like lessons. They have to do homework by doing star charts at midnight, which is hilarious to me to know that like 11 year olds are expected to be awake at midnight up on the astronomy tower doing star charts. Like, I know. Well, because there's, you know, there's so many like punishments for like them being up out of bed. Yeah. It's like, like, oh yeah, I'm coming back from astronomy class. It's cool. Yeah. (laughs) 
like it's the astronomy situation doesn't really make sense to me but i just think that we're we're just missing information there i think that you know and again i don't think that for for most of these these professors that we're about to go through i don't think we have enough information to give them a rating because they're probably fine so and then we have arithmancy and ancient runes which are both subjects that hermione takes but harry Mm -hmm. and ron decide to not take um but taught by um, professor vector and professor babbling respectively so you know i think that hermione talks about professor vector a little bit mm-hmm. um doesn't really talk about professor babbling at all and that's all we really know about that i do think that it's i wish that more of these professors were like shown so because harry just seems it's like does harry know who they are like do they know who he is like you know yeah, like, there's we don't no know. interactions yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, you would at least think that, like, Harry didn't even know who Professor Trelawney was until, you know, two years in. Right. So, (laughs) you know, until his third year of school. So, I don't know. And then, you know, of course, we have poor Charity Burbage, who taught muggle studies and was killed, and that's pretty much her entire character arc. Yeah, that's that's all we get to know, which is unfortunate, but... So, and then we have Madam Hooch who is not technically a professor, I think, but she does teach flying lessons and coach Quidditch, so. My question, do do the the rest of the, like, years have flying lessons, or is it just first That's, year? It's, we're, I don't think it's ever explained. I don't think we okay. know. Yeah, I, <laughs> it I seems mean, also, like, like it's only first years. It, it seems like, you know, Harry goes to the one flying class where, like, the lesson gets cut off almost immediately. Because, right. again, because Draco Malfoy is a little asshole. Yeah. So, you know, and then we never hear about it again because he gets on the Quidditch team. It's like, did he test out of it? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, like, you know? does he like, no longer have to yeah. go? <laughs> That's about it. She so. is absolutely the lesbian gym, gym teacher of Hogwarts. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. love it. Absolutely. You know that she is, she's down in Hogsmeade on Friday nights in like combat boots, picking up (laughs) chicks. Like she is, she's getting it. We love her energy. Absolutely. And like, there's really not, there's not a lot to her, her teaching style that we get to see. I mean, I don't know. It depends on if she teaches the classes throughout the rest. Like, we don't know. We don't know if she teaches yeah, exactly. classes. Like, we don't. Yeah, we have no idea. So we just, we just don't know about Madam yeah. but, but we still love her. So uh, as a, yeah, we love her as, as a lesbian icon. Um, yes. Okay, so then we have my least favorite character. So much. Argus Filch. Pure anger about Filch. <laughs> he's such why is he teaching why is he in this position he's like i just don't i don't why is he in a school <laughs> he clearly he hates children he's out here like there's a freaking army of house elves in the basement of this school and he's like over here like grumbling because he has to clean up everyone's mud and it's like i'm just so and confused. that's what i'm so confused about because clearly the house elves do like take care of things. I mean, they they do the cooking. Yeah. We know, but they clearly do cleaning as well. Like Filch is not the only person cleaning an entire castle. He just I seems know. to get the brunt of it, and he seems to get the pissiest about it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it just it, his character doesn't make sense to me. He shouldn't have been hired. He's there to like supervise detention and like be an asshole to students. Like that's it. That's his purpose. Everyone that comes in contact with him can't stand him, and nobody likes Mrs. Norris. And it's just <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and also, how long has this cat lived? That's a very it's good like, question. They're, they're, also, 
I just have this thought, but hmm. why do all of the squibs that we know in the series, Argus Filch and Arabella Fig, they both have the same initials. They both have Ooh. cats. <laughs> why do they have cats? That's a good question. I have no why idea. Why are they so similar? <laughs> I'm, just com- I'm just coming to this realization. But Arabella Fig is not bitter about her existence. No, she's just kind of like, doing her thing. Like, yeah, she's doing her thing. Like, she's fine. But it's like, yeah. like, would Filch, if he had, like, chosen to live in the Muggleworth world, like, Mrs. Fig, like, would he not have been as bitter? Did Hogwarts make him bitter? Because if I was in his situation at Hogwarts, I'd be bitter. Like, I'm sure it did. I'm sure being at Hogwarts just exacerbated his his situation. I'm sure that that man could have had a healthy, happy life integrating into the Muggle world. <laughs> You know, he could have his pet cats. Maybe he could end up dating Arabella yeah. Fig. We don't know. Yeah, maybe they could They could be a beautiful couple. And then our one last person, Madame Pomfrey. Madame Pomfrey. I love her. She is such a dear I, Yeah, we love her. Loki, and I, I think that it's been disproved now with canon, but I always kind of imagine McGonagall and Pomfrey together. Like, I think they would be such a cute couple. It's so funny because I always imagine Madame Hooch with Madame Pomfrey. I mean, I could see that too. You know, I could see also, McGonagall now, too. Well, but now McGonagall has like a whole backstory where she was like, I think she was like dating someone and then she got married and then it was a whole thing. So, but Wait, is that um, canon? so yeah, so I think so. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not even aware of that. Yeah, I think that there's more, because as Fantastic Beasts came out, I think that there's more. I could be totally making that up, but I believe that there was, um, that there is something with McGonagall being married, but her husband is deceased. Um, oh, shit. In canon. So, yeah. Honestly, I just love the three of them. Like, I would ship anyone with anyone. Yeah, Madame Pomfrey, obviously she knows exactly what she's doing because mm-hmm. she can fix anyone in a heartbeat. And I love just sort of, she's stern yet also caring for all the students. Like, she is the perfect nurse. She has a good bedside manner, but she's at the same time like, like, how about don't do dumb shit type thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you want to avoid broken bones, stop being a dummy. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. She's, you know, I think that she is a little bit too strict sometimes on the visitor situation, but I get it. I get it. For sure. Well, that wraps up our discussion of pretty much every professor and staff member in Hogwarts. Um, If we missed anyone, I think that we got everyone, but if we missed anyone, um, please comment on our Instagram, send us an email. We would love to chat with you. And now we're going to move into our game of the episode. All right. Ready, Fred? Ready, George. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Feet off the table. Bottoms up. All right, so for this game, we are going to be playing two rounds of Fuck, Mary Kill, Hogwarts Professor Edition. All right, so we got professors. Severus Snape, Albus Dumbledore, or Minerva McGonagall. Fuck, Mary Kill. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, we know, okay, we're both marrying McGonagall. We know that. Yeah, that's an obvious one. Yeah, that, I that, would honestly fuck Snape and kill Dumbledore. Same, yeah. same, honestly. Well, the thing, I don't know. Okay, because, like, again, I know that you haven't seen Fantastic Beasts yet, but, like, young Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts is pretty, like, he could get it. He's fine. You know? <laughs> like, right. he's pretty fine. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's like, true. If we're, talking, if we're talking young Dumbledore, like, 
I'm I'm fucking him and I'm killing Snape. But if it's like old beard Dumbledore, it's the opposite. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought of it from the perspective of beardy Dumbledore. <laughs> I do not want to see that in the bedroom. <laughs> okay, we got defense against the dark arts. Okay. Quirrell, Lockhart, or Umbridge. Okay, well I guarantee you that Lockhart in bed is going to be the, like two pump chump kind of guy like he's he does not care if you finish or not like he's he is all about himself <laughs> absolutely he's gonna but be the type of guy that Quirrell can't <laughs> even get it in <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh that's true okay well oh, we're killing umbridge we know that we yeah know no that. one wants any part of her <laughs> yeah but then it's just like you know i, I I'm marrying Lockhart. Lockhart. Yeah. Wait, you're marrying Lockhart? I was gonna say I kind of yeah. kind of fuck him because then it would be over in two seconds and I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. Well, but I'm not gonna. I don't really want to marry Quirrell. Yeah, it's a tough tough choice. I think I, I'd rather marry Lockhart because then you know at least I would in the divorce settlement I could like get half of the money from his books. Can we divorce <laughs> these people that we're marrying? I thought we were stuck with them. Yeah, I guess, I guess we're stuck with them. I could. I could, I mean, I could marry Umbridge just to, like, spend the rest of my life annoying the fuck out of her. If I'm stuck with her, I'm gonna be pissing her off my entire life. Like, that would be satisfying. That's fair. That's petty, yeah. But, that's fair. Yeah. I think for me, I'm killing Umbridge, I'm marrying Lockhart, and fucking Quirrell. I think I'd probably do the same thing. That's a tough choice, but I would do the same thing. All right, ghost edition. So we got our one ghostly professor, Professor Bins, and then we got Nearly Headless Nick, and then we got the Grey Lady, aka Helena Ravenclaw. (laughs) I can't even take this one seriously. Oh my god. (laughs) All right. I mean, the thing is, I don't, honestly, I'm scared of fucking Nearly Headless Nick. What if his head just like lolls? I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, it's not like it's going to roll away. Ew. Oh my god. I I definitely know I couldn't stand marrying nearly headless Nick because he I mean he's a good guy, but like I don't think I could handle him being bitter about not being accepted into the, In headless, the headless hunt. hunt. I'd be like, dude, shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably marry the gray lady simply because she'd just I don't... be sad all the time. Oh yeah, she would. That's true. She'd be very draining she'd be emotionally. Depressing. Maybe she'd be good at I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she has, like, some repressed, like, like, weird shit that she needs to work out, you know? Maybe there's some... (laughs) Maybe she... Yeah, I can... All right, I'm gonna fuck the gray lady, because she seems like she might be getting bad. Same, 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 same. (sighs) But see, then also, I couldn't marry Professor Bins because he's boring as hell. Well, yeah, but honestly, I feel like Professor Bins wouldn't even notice if you married him, and then you could just continue going about your life. (laughs) Sure, you could just live your life however you want. Good call. I like that. All right, marry Professor Bins. Sorry, you nearly had this neck, but you're going away. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we kill him in, you know, ghost form, he can finally join the headless hunt. Yeah, maybe we do it right. (laughs) Take his head all the way off, and then he can do it. Yeah. One last one. Okay. Um, Flitwick, Sprout, or Trelawney? I'd marry Professor Sprout because I could honestly see her being like a fun life partner, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I'd do the same. I think as much as I feel sorry for Trelawney, I think I'm killing her (laughs) and fucking (laughs) Professor Flitwick. (laughs) I... The height difference would be weird, but like, we could make it work. It'd be fine. (laughs) Yeah, I... 
I truthfully, I think, would have to do the opposite one. Simply, I'm just going to play the gay card, and that's just that I... I just would rather sleep. Like, if I'm going to have to kill one of them and sleep with the other one, I'd rather sleep with Trelawney. <laughs> that's true. And actually, you know what? Okay. And, you know, I need to put a, a caveat on my sleeping with Flitwick thing, because mm-hmm. is it, like... Is it the movie version of Flitwick where he's, like, the little conductor dude in the nice little suit? <laughs> or... Is he like in the first movie? Because like, because those are different. Those are, would be different answers. For That's me. true. In the first movie, he is very. He's like old man like. Yeah. Whereas in so the like, yeah, uh, let's go with the like younger version. Yeah, because I the younger version is fine. I don't know. I feel like I I like him just because he teaches charms. But now I'm changing my mind because I do like Trelawney. I don't know. Maybe she's like slow and steady wins wins the race. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like it just kind of like doesn't need to be super rushed. That kind of enjoys the experience. It's not all about getting to the finish line for her. It's about like experiencing the connection. Um, <sighs> okay, so I think, yeah, I think I, I'd want to experience Trelawney in bed at least more than Flitwick. <laughs> oh man. What a great episode. That was a good, that was a good game. I liked that. That was a lot of fun. We hope that you will join us on next week's episode. Um, This was a great exploration of the professors at Hogwarts, you know, rating them, rating the terrible choices that Dumbledore may have made, but also some, (laughs) found some winners. I think that's pretty great. Yeah, we got some winners. And most (laughs) of those winners were hired before Harry got there, but you know, that's okay. Uh, we'll make sure to comment if you have any thoughts on this episode any thoughts of anything we've covered comment uh, leave us reviews subscribe make sure you follow us on instagram leave us messages we would love to hear from you love to hear your opinions we hope that you enjoyed bottling fame and brewing glory with us this week I'm dead awful at potions. I can teach you how to bewitch the mind. I've always felt our futures lay outside the world of academic achievement. It tastes like goblin piss. <laughs> <laughs>